Welcome to Real Talk in the Face of Danger, a podcast series by the Department of Emergency Management here in Barbados. Now, this is the 12th episode in this current series, and I'm absolutely honored to be a part of today's presentation, I'm Tisha Hines. It's so important for us to talk about 2021 because it's one of those years that has been the most active in years. And here at Barbados, as relates to hazards, we have had quite the time. The island felt the impacts of nature's fury from as early as January of this year with Saharan dust and a prolonged drought. Now in April, we experienced heavy ashfall, which resulted from the Lasso Frere volcano eruptions in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, and only three months later in July, the island received a direct hit from Hurricane Elsa, causing damage to hundreds of properties. Of course, all of this took place in the midst of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. So we really want to take a look back because these events have all increased the workload of the emergency response organizations here on island, particularly the Department of Emergency Management or the DEM, as many of us know it. Joining me this Good day to give us a short review of the work that the DEM has done this year is Director Miss Carrie Hines. Hello. Good morning, Tisha. Good morning, Barbados. Good morning, everyone online today. Um, it is really uh, to be here on the other side of the year <laughs> um, here this morning, really to take a retrospective look at what we would have gone through um, in 2021. Um, 2021 was indeed busy and eventful for us at the Department of Emergency Management and also the entire emergency response community. Um, as you quite rightly said, we had to deal with multiple hazards and being looking at the orientation and our programming we do push the whole concept of comprehensive disaster management looking at the multiple hazards that can affect us and also the various players that will have to come in to play the various stakeholders that would have to come into play when we are dealing or grappling with these multiple hazards so I think 2021 is really a prime example of us living in a multi-hazard environment. And as you, as you quite rightly said, it started early and I, I must admit that it followed on from 2020 because we were already dealing with COVID or the COVID response. And we at the DEM, we were supporting the Ministry of Health and Wellness and all the other agencies um, through that particular response. And then as well, we were also supporting the drought management mechanism. Um, as you know, those early months were very dry months for us here in Barbados and a number of agents, a number of parishes, the public was affected um, with the 
very low availability of, of water. Um, in the traditional sense, yes, we would have had a number of our planning meetings, but I, I dare say we were in a response mode for the entire year. And all right, but with that said though, let's go back to January uh, where mm -hmm. it all started. Uh, I, I want to find out from you how you feel about your state of readiness at that time for dealing with, you know, natural disasters or hazards. Uh, you mentioned coming out of 2020, there were some challenges, but 2021 really took on a different face. So, uh, you know, starting then, how prepared were you, would you say the DEM was for dealing with these hazards that, that we had to grapple with? Well, we were prepared in the traditional sense. We had our plans and procedures. Obviously, we, we had to tweak them to suit the environment, the new operating environment. Um, traditionally, our responses were were such um, that the various emergency responders and the community would go out in their numbers. But with COVID, we had to use a lot of the technology and we utilized that whole interface where we had virtual response to certain aspects of the emergency, but still with um, in, still going out in the field, but adhering to the protocols as it related to um, COVID-19, the COVID-19 response. Um, it was a very delicate balance, but I would say in some instances, we, we were prepared to respond. In others, there were, there were new eventualities during the year. There were certain, certainly the having responding in the emergency management environment under COVID conditions and then dealing with, say, for example, the, the significant ashfall, that was very novel to us as DEM and the emergency management community. So we really had to amend and tweak and update our plans and protocols and sometimes learn as you go along um, while you were in the heat of things. Um, no, as you so mentioned, many of us experienced ashfall for the very first time. Talk to us about what that experience was like, first of all, for your staff, and tell us how your organization assisted in the aftermath of all of that ashfall that Barbados experienced. Well, it was quite new to all of us, all of us here at the Department of Emergency Management and quite like most of, of the public. Um, that significant ashfall really slowed initially our responses as an emergency management, an emergency response community. The For days, we were not able in the traditional sense really to respond to everyone. Um, we, we really had to do our, protect ourselves for ourselves first and foremost and ensure that our households were adequate um, they were protected and before we could really respond then we did 
initially respond. There was, we responded in the sense that you had, you had one to assist those here in Barbados that were depending on you, the public that was depending on you, but also you as a Sedema sub-regional focal point, Barbados is that, we also had to respond to St. Vincent and the Grenadines and, and support that, that larger regional response. So I, I would say because it was new and because the conditions were not necessarily that conducive when we, in the initial days, the response was very slow. And as I said before, we were dealing with something new. So we had to source information from some regional and international experts on how to deal with the ashfall, how to quantify the losses and the impact of the ashfall, dealing with our damage assessment and, and not the best of conditions, but trying to gather that information that would help in the response. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, later in the year, Barbadians had to grapple with Hurricane Elsa. And we know that when a hurricane uh, warning is issued, the National Emergency Operations Center or the NEOC is activated. As director, tell us a little bit about your role in the NEOC. I know from where we sit in the media, uh, we have to get somebody over there. It's like a direct line from us so that we can share with our viewers and listeners. But talk to us about your role in uh, the NEOC. The once the emergency operations center is activated as as director, you have to ensure that all the operatives who are present at the national emergency operations center they're thoroughly briefed and they have a comprehensive awareness of the situation at hand. Um, and these briefings are done first off as well as intermittently throughout the whole operational cycles. And I say operational cycles because they're, they're usually continuous over a period of time. Um, the, as director, I, I am the link between the operational and the operational responders, that operational group and the policy group in, the strategic level group in, and we have to ensure, I have to ensure that all the stakeholders within those two groupings have a clear picture of what is yes going on on the ground, what are our operational priorities, and what are our strategic priorities as we go through the, the, the whole event, and ensuring that there is a constant flow of information because that information is needed to make the best decisions possible at any point in time. Also, I have a responsibility to the public and it is done through you, the media, and to ensure that the public is kept abreast of what is going on and they have pertinent information that they will need to make 
um, any decisions that they have to make at a personal or household level. Um, within the EOC, as I said before, we have to determine our priority actions and these may change. You may realize that at one point in the cycle, there are certain priorities. You have to prioritize what actions, what resources you have um, to lend to a particular issue that you may be having on the ground. Um, that may change from hour to hour. It is always a fast-paced environment. And equally, I also have a responsibility to the persons who have, are gathered at the Emergency Operations Center to ensure that they have the tools to do their jobs and they are in a, an environment that is conducive really for them carrying out their particular functions. Now, you really take this role seriously. And, you know, I must commend you for your work as well. A little birdie told me that in addition to all of these duties, you also took on helping to prepare breakfast for some of the, the staff who were there at the emergency operations center while that was all going on. So take us behind the scenes a little bit, uh, apart, separate and apart from the helping out with the breakfast and so on. Talk to us about what a day was like during the passage of Hurricane Elsa uh, because of everything you talked about, multiple things that will be happening on the ground and just trying to coordinate it all. The Emergency Operations Center environment during Elsa, like a lot of other operations, are long hours. Um, it is a 24-hour cycle um, in the early days especially in, in any response. You do not know sometimes how long the response will be. Um, there is always nonstop and heightened activity. Activity in terms of, as I said, information sharing with the briefings, um, the continuous receipt of information, channeling and prioritizing information and, and resources. Remember that we were in a COVID environment. So, we had reduced the numbers without compromising our response. Uh, we reduced the numbers in our EOC. So while that meant that there, there, were, there were a lot of tasks to do, you did things virtually, there was a lot of support virtually as well, but you had to maintain um, that level of a comprehensive operational picture, making sure that all we we were like the glue. We had to ensure that this crisis coordination center was working at all times. Now, typically at the EOC, obviously you have to have some time timeouts, and there was our structure is such the facility is such that the operatives get a time to rest. This building where we are, where we are housed, where we were housed during um, Hurricane Elsa. It is a self-sufficient building and we have sectioned it in such a way that there were areas for the operational workings and also for persons to have a time out and have rest. Um, obviously there was the constant 
movement of information and we had to ensure that there was that constant information flow and even presenting that information not only to the responders within the room but to the public um, a typical day also included ensuring that persons got enough rest and feeding throughout that 24-hour cycle and even counseling persons that would call on the phone um, there were some persons yes they may call in the EOC to report damage, but there were some persons who really had nobody else to talk to. They were a bit scared um, with the conditions out there, the howling wind and that type of thing. And sometimes you have to take a break just to speak to them and try to console persons um, because they were call calling out for a level of assistance. Um, and once we can give it, we would, we would do that. But it is really a nonstop kind of response um, in the early days. Now, after Hurricane Elsa, uh, the remainder of the hurricane season for Barbados was dormant. Uh, so when things aren't happening, that tangible things that we can see, what's going on at the DEM? Talk to us about the months, the latter months of, of the hurricane season? Well, our work didn't stop. Uh, the initial response in terms of ELSA, whereas you may not have had the activation of the EOC, you were still dealing, actively dealing with the public and supporting the recovery. Now, the Department of Emergency Management would take a secondary role in there and the recovery agencies such as housing we would support them so you still had the damage assessments were ongoing the socio-economic assessments which other agencies within the national system would have been dealing with uh, gathering information on the ground so that you can support and help um, the public that was affected so we were dealing, we, we're still dealing with some calls, although that has slowed, but persons just checking up on what is the status in terms of any support that they would have requested, any assistance that they would have requested. Um, we went back to a number, there's still the reporting and the meetings, um, because as I said, there are a number of hazards that are still affecting us. So that work did not stop per se it, it was placed on the back burner for a while but now in these latter months you really had to continue with the programming and and that included as well um, the public awareness you still have to keep that level of awareness ensuring that the public knows what is going on um, knows how to deal with various hazards um, if, if they actually start to affect us. And really trying to ensure that our, our normal, quote unquote, programming um, still proceeded. Um, we, we had to pick back up on a lot of meetings and, uh, and as I said, a lot of um, actions that we probably had tasks that we had probably put on the back burner during um, Hurricane Elsa. Well, you know, definitely a lot of work, a lot of work that you guys are doing at the DEM. 
uh, overall, and finally, as we wrap up our brief discussion today, what would you say is the greatest challenge overall for the DEM uh, in terms of disaster? I think what we traditionally have to look at, and, and more so now in this type of environment, is really managing expectations of all our clients. And we are a very minute staff here at the Department of Emergency Management. And we have to call on a number of agencies within the broader national emergency management system, within the broader public sector and private sector to support our, our goals and programmatic activities. But really in terms of that disaster preparedness, just trying to manage everyone's expectations. We have to manage the public's expectation of us, ensuring that they have the information available um, to respond and to manage a disaster or, or emergency if that occurs. You have a responsibility to the political directorate as well and those at the policy level and the strategic level um, to ensure that they have the relevant information that they can make um, pointed decisions on how or how the emergency management landscape should look like post-2021 and really trying to improve our, our programming and our disaster preparedness agenda so that we are really servicing our clientele. We have to deal, we have to manage the expectation of our, our donor community. Um, they are there to support our, our national level response. So dealing with all these different groups um, can be very challenging at times, um, but trying to manage their expectations of us and us trying to manage the expectations of, of, of everyone. Director Kerry Hines, I want to thank you for giving us some insight into all of the work that the Department of Emergency Management here in Barbados has been doing over the last year when we went through unprecedented, some, some of the times hazards in hurricane, drought, uh, which is a problem that we are continuing to see. And of course, mm -hmm. asphalt, which is a once in a lifetime type of hazard. Thank you so much for your service and thank you equally for your time. Thank you so much, um, Barbados. Seasons greetings to everyone. And I hope you take the opportunity to rest and enjoy um, a little bit without, without these various hazards, all of these hazards that may have been affecting us in 2021. Rail Talk in the Face of Danger is a podcast series brought to you by the Department of Emergency Management. I'm Tisha Hines.